Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. Go! Uh, here to discuss this week um, a controversial film uh, and some recent news. I know, we're that, back to having news in the world. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's been some, and I think we've just ignored it. But We have. This this one is not you. You can't you can't pass it. The internet. It's evidence the internet works. <laughs> the um, bad parts Zach, of the internet work. <laughs> Zack Snyder will get to finish his cut of Justice League for HBO Max. So so for full context, uh, the the most recent DC universe has been largely helmed by Zack Snyder. He did Man of Steel. He did Batman versus Superman, and he was supposed to do all of Justice League. And he was in the process of filming Justice League, but had a family tragedy and was forced to leave. And Joss Whedon, who has apparently just been living under a rock for seven or eight years, uh, popped in to, to finish the film. Which, I'll be honest with you, the, that version of Justice League is, uh, I, I kind of like it. It's, it's not good, but it's also quite watchable. Uh, but it's also a, a firm departure from, you know, Zack Snyder's traditional tone. It's as good as a movie can be that's a sequel to a movie it's trying not to be a sequel to. You know what I'm saying? I absolutely know what you're saying. Like, it's also, it's like, I think, I, I honestly think it's as good of a movie as, as it can be with you know, as a Frankenstein of two directors who have vastly different styles. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, very famously, um, apparently did not use like 70% of what they shot. Um, they went back and filmed a bunch of stuff and six months later put it on a screen, including a CGI mustacheless ip lip for henry cavill <laughs> cgi mustache removal which i think would have to be harder than a CV, cgi mustache addition like for it sure. seems like it would be harder to do uh, uh, the, the cgi animators agreed with you <laughs> i also am you know i'm i don't know that i would consider myself a fan of this movie i have watched it a couple of times and kind of to what joseph's point it should be worse than it is the fact that it is just this weird amalgamation of two very different guys and um, shots and dialogue from what would be two very different movies. Uh, you know, the finished product ain't great, but again, my expectations were so low that uh, I had a fun time with it. With this news, though, I, I really like, I don't know how to feel. Um, I feel I'm like glad. we're gonna have to do another episode in 2021. Is what I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> we did. We do Justice League. I'm sure we did. Uh, if if it was in our lifespan, we absolutely did. I don't think you did. I think it was before your lifespan. I mean, it I definitely would have been before I was on the on the show. But uh, but I don't. I don't think you guys did it. I really have no memory of when that movie came out. Yeah, um, I don't either. But so Zack Snyder, you know weird that he was like a huge influence in the i guess fanboy community at the birth of really like comic book movies because um 300 um watchmen they have their followings i mean and and both are are fairly faithful besides one major thing in watchmen is dawn of the dead remake really good so i think and you know jehu excluded most people came out of man of steel pretty positive right yeah i i I, I, I'm a pretty vocal hater of it, but I, I was in the minority. I think it's um, slightly better than Transformers. But man, after 
Batman versus Superman, everything turned on him. <laughs> well, you say that not everything, because I would I would say like studio executives a- turned on him because in general audiences turned on the theatrical release of Batman versus Superman. But I think the uh, the the loyal Snyder base was unwavering, which is one of the big reasons that we got what I think is the the first quote unquote Snyder cut. The the uh, the director's uh, deluxe edition of uh, Batman versus Superman, which is what we're here to talk about today. It definitely, and I, I will say this: I understand the Snyder Cut people. One of the main, one of the big arguments for it is um, they want to see the the vision finished out. Whatever started in Man of Steel, Justice League, obviously, kind of to what J. Hugh was saying, feels. And just what you were saying, it feels like it's trying to separate itself while also kind of being connected. Right. Um, it people want to see what he had planned. They want to see that story finished so that you could watch it over three films. However, I would argue Man of Steel, the Batman versus Superman, already disconnected. I, I would agree with that totally. I'm curious to see what this movie's going to be. I will watch it. I think we will all have to anyway. I just think this goes along with, uh, you know, DC Warner's ongoing bullshit of, you know, after they made Batman versus Superman and it didn't just conquer the world, they just don't know what what to do next. Right. And and, and I think the the success of Wonder Woman and Aquaman has confused them any even, even further more, for sure because they're they just they don't know what people want. So then they made a justice league that sort of tried to lean in that direction and it didn't do well. And, and this is, this, this might be the most, Hey, I wonder if this will work move they've ever done. Cause it's a movie. They already at some point decided, Hey, this shit sucks. We need to redo. It. <laughs> and, and like, and I know he had the tragedy in the family, but if the movie was going well, they would have just got some associate of his to finish it, and it still would have been the same movie. The movie was not going well. They did not like how it was going. And they're like, hey, let's just throw as much of this out as we can and make a movie that's almost the opposite. Instead yeah. of overly dark, it's overly light. I'm Instead fairly of certain... overly long, it's <laughs> overly short. I'm know? fairly certain they were already well into production on Justice League when Batman vs. Superman came out. Right, yeah, I remember right, correctly. Right. But also, if we, when we get this, I mean, even the argument that it's going to finish his vision, it's really not because it was a movie that was sitting up for another movie. This yeah, was that's not, true, yeah. This was not meant to be the end of his story. This was supposed to be the, uh, the you know, third part of four. Isn't a Zack Snyder Justice League 2 just what we need in 2022? <laughs> Yeah, see, I don't think no I think no matter what, that's not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm no longer underestimating the internet. I I think I, I, I think you're underestimating how confused Warner Brothers <laughs> is. If if this if 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 people go nuts for this, even if it's negative, I think at this point, if it just gets everybody talking, they might do it. I would think the the biggest issue uh, with doing a Justice League sequel uh, at this point is the cast. Right. Um, I, I, I just feel like logistically that would be the most difficult. I do think the audience, and maybe I'm you know, hyping up the audience too much, is smart enough to figure out if they made a Justice League 2 that it would be a sequel to Zack Snyder's Justice League right. rather than Joss Whedon's. 
But I, th- I think that- while I think that, I don't think studio executives think that. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, I think I think the people who would care would know, and the people who wouldn't care would just show up anyway because they're just like, oh, it's another superhero movie. Yeah, I, but is that going to make enough money? I don't know. I think uh, I, I think we'll we'll know when we see this if they're going to attempt to do another one. If Batman, you know, like dies off screen or in a wheel CGI <laughs> effect because he's the only guy they can't get back. I don't think they can get Affleck back. Yeah, yeah. Affleck's yeah. like, no, man, I. I, I'm this done. this was the last time Ben Affleck will have ever been in shape, right? <laughs> I think uh yeah, one of the huge motivators for this is it seems to be the thing that's rekindled Henry Cavill's relationship with Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I think they want that guy back, and he was pretty much done. And I don't know, like him hopping on that Zoom call or whatever, the watch party for BVS, and now there's rumors that he's they're renegotiating his contract to meet his demands. I mean. For whatever reason, you know, we we have all talked crap on Zack Snyder. Those actors all seem to really like him. Well, and I mean, also, the one part I've never really had a problem with the with this wave of DC movies is casting. The casting's all been pretty tight. That's In fair. the beginning, I didn't really like the fact that Batman was 20 years older than Superman. But, but overall, I, you know, once I saw... Uh, Affleck in the Batman outfit, or actually more, even more is Bruce Wayne. I was like, yeah, I'm on board with this. I, d- I do want to say on the Snyder Cut people, there's a, a stigma, a stereotype that they're all awful incels. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's completely true. Like uh, last year at San Diego Comic-Con, Snyder Cut people raised like $250,000 for charity um, and stuff like that. Like, And I'm not saying terrible people can't do good things because terrible right. people do, but um from an outsider's perspective uh they don't i think some of the hate they get is probably more intense than they deserve i have a theory that it's all kind of colored by the fact that uh and i'm not sure how to pronounce his last name steve munuchin is a producer on batman versus superman because it's really <laughs> well, not hard not, it's hard not to hate that guy and his fucking hot dog lips Oh, he's a terrible human being. He's a horrible guy. Yeah. And he just looks like a horrible guy. He looks like a comic book caricature of a supervillain. If there's anything the last few years have taught us, Jay Hugh, though, is we should not be looking to people who produce movies in Hollywood to be our moral compass. (laughs) That's very true. Super fair point. Uh, But do we want to jump into... uh, Yeah, because of all of this, we decided we we watched Batman versus Superman. The oh, the ultimate edition with the additional the original Snyder cut, the probably even though we've never done an episode on it, maybe the movie we've talked about most on this podcast. Probably, the, probably the we talked about the most that we haven't done an episode on. I would yeah. say that's true. Uh, so, ha- have have you seen the? I know Christian has. Have you seen the ultimate edition version? Also, hurt. Yes, I have, and and my basic simple review of it is, it's a movie. <laughs> Whereas so, the, the theatrical cut was not. So, so the 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 original VVS Batman vs Superman came out March of 2016, and it was two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, critically panned. I mean, it made money, but not nearly as much as as I think they were hoping it would make. And so, for, as part of the the you know DVD Blu-ray release, whenever that came out, they released an additional 30 minutes of footage as the director's cut which the loyal fanboys were fervent, really fixed a lot of the things that were wrong with this movie. 
Uh, it added several like plot arcs that got cut out, uh, including like characters like Jenna Malone. Yeah, this is kind of like the first major extended edition that, again, supposedly was supposed to add a lot more to the movie that got taken out in the editing room. So I kind of want to see from you guys, how do you feel like this compares to the original movie? Uh, number one, I just want to say, Zack Snyder has an editing problem. Like, um, whatever, if he keeps hiring the same editors or, or what have you, because um, I feel like Batman versus Superman has the same problem that Watchmen does, which is the longer versions are better movies. Um, the longer version of Watchmen, I, I think, is a better film. I think the longer version of Batman vs. Superman is a better film. Um, unlike with Watchmen, the theatrical cut of Batman vs. Superman literally doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, none of the hearings with Superman, it, it has no explanation, really. Just that, oh, we thought he burned these people. But there would have to be, you know, some mass conspiracy that's not referenced at all or whatever going on. To, for that to be the case his whole plot in the theatrical cut doesn't make sense i think the added time focusing on you know what actually happened and why these people are upset and who the bad people are and how these machinations work and lex's involvement make the film make a whole lot more sense i'm not saying it's a better movie i'm saying the arcs and the steps taken uh, logically are superior in the in the extended what is it ultimate cut ultimate edition yeah yeah, yeah what that sounds like a dude that does protein power like i mean it's, you know, it sounds like a thing that, a day, it sounds like, like what you should title the Zack snyder edition of this movie <laughs> that's my opinion yeah I, I i'm i'm pretty much i mean it it at least has a narrative you can follow which mm-hmm. i don't think the the uh, original one did the only thing that the that the uh you know, original version conveyed to me is he really wanted you to know that he thinks Superman's like Jesus. If you didn't get that point, you didn't watch a fucking second of that movie because it permeates every single scene. And just to make sure it hits you over the head, the fucking shit came out on Good Friday. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's the most ham-fisted thing I've ever seen in any fucking movie. To your Jesus point, is it this movie or is it Man of Steel where he has the conversation with the priest and Jesus's head is literally over his shoulder? <laughs> that is also that is also real bad too. But for some reason, it that part didn't anger me in Man of Steel. In this one, it just really started to piss me the fuck off. Like I, by the end of this movie, I just wanted to punch somebody the first time I watched it. Uh, the other thing uh, about the uh, about the theatrical cut that uh, that this doesn't fix. Is it still it's still stupid to put your end of credit scenes in the middle of a fucking movie? You shouldn't put <laughs> commercials for other movies in the middle of a fucking movie. You know, everybody who's who has said, "Oh man, it's it's weird that you have to wait till the end of the credits to watch those things on Marvel movies." This is a perfect explanation of why that's a good idea. But you know, I mean, the theatrical version it does have a story, but I don't care about the story. It's still you know, it's still the same overly dark overwrought bullshit that uh that just i don't know it's like you guys know i can find something good in almost anything i have a very low bar of what i what will entertain me but this the the worst thing about this movie is it's just not entertaining so i uh i came into this hurt you were actually there when I watched this movie, I came out of the theater and ran into you. I don't know if you remember that. I do. No, I do remember that. You, you were you were there for like my my real time breaking 
breaking down of my psyche trying to explain right. this movie. Uh, I, I really, really despise it. <laughs> uh, and I was, was almost against this whole concept of the episode because I couldn't bring myself to watch it again. But I knew if I didn't watch the Ultimate Edition, every single internet person would tell me, oh, you know, really, it gets fixed in the Ultimate Cut and all those people would be represented by Christian. Uh, and so I felt that like I, I felt a need in order to to correctly demolish it to experience the full thing and you know what it is better I agree with a lot of the things I, I, I still don't think it's a good movie I think it is still worse than Transformers uh, and even though we are fundamentally against giving rating systems like something out of five or out of ten or out of a million whatever uh, I will say whatever my original score of BVS was, this probably like doubled it, but it's still worse than Transformers. Right, right. Uh, well, go ahead. you know, on a Transformers scale, I would say it moves it from Transformers 5 up to Transformers 4. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go the theatrical version is worse than Transformers. I do think this version is better than Transformers. I've gone back and watched the Ultimate version a couple of times. There's some things it's I so, really, it's really It's three like. hours long. It's very long. But if Holy Ian can watch shit. The Irishman 20 times since November, in the five years this movie's been out, I can think. Holy shit, times. that's actually a good point. I might rather watch this movie than The Irishman. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the bad CGI in this is still better than the bad CGI in The Irishman. But still That's worse true. than most movies after like 2010 somehow. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Uh, so well, we want to talk spoilers or, I mean, yeah, how, let, you know, well, we most got, people have seen this movie, Here's right? the thing. I just took a bunch of random notes that are in order of the movie. So I'm just going to talk about the things that I thought and we can just spitball as we go. Okay. All right. Spoilers. Uh, so all spoilers from here. But I feel like the very opening sequence, which is, of course, the Wayne family getting murdered, is super emblematic of the rest of the movie because the the addition of... So, you know, like, there's, like, a lot of iconic things from this, right? It's, like, the walk out of the theater, the gun gets pulled, Thomas Wayne gets in front of the family, Thomas Wayne gets shot, the pearls, Martha Wayne gets killed, but Zack Snyder being Zack Snyder added that just little extra visual nugget of having... The, the gun pulled up against the edge of the pearl so that the hammer of the gun is the thing that breaks the pearl necklace. And to me, like that's, that's so emblematic of everything that else that happens in this movie because it's so <laughs> visual first over anything else. Like there's no, you, you build the logic and the, the rest of the movie around, here's some cool visual ideas. 100% though, if he had not done that, Todd Phillips would have done it. And I'm surprised he didn't steal it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's a really solid point. Super fair. Um, and I didn't actually remember when I when I watched it the first time that Thomas's Wayne's last words were Martha. Was that in the theatrical cut? It, I mean, it makes sense that it would have been, but I don't I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't know. I think after you know the importance of the word Martha, you just pay you now to realize. Yeah, yeah, it it's actually present throughout the whole film. Uh, but then we hard cut into. The, so this is the other thing about this movie is it's super reactionary to the criticism Zack Snyder faced from his first DC movie, Man of Steel, where people were like, why doesn't Superman give a fuck about the people on the ground? Uh, which, I mean, is a legitimate criticism, but I, again, to shape a whole arc of your movie around it, I'm not sure is, I don't know, a good way to address it. Maybe it is. But uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I definitely think making a movie that's about arguing with criticism exactly definitely 
not a good way to go for something that he's trying to present as serious. If that, if you want to do a wacky comedy as that, fucking do it. But that that was not a good that was not a good foundation to build this on. While we're talking, while we're in this kind of uh, beginning part, I don't want. I just want to say. I think the opening on Bruce Wayne in Driving Through Metropolis is my favorite scene across all three films. Oh, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. That, and that is one of Ben Affleck's best acting moments, oddly enough. Maybe because he doesn't have to talk, but I can really <laughs> feel the intensity in that yeah. guy. And it's well, a really good moment that balances that this guy, Bruce Wayne, is Batman. And uh, when the moment requires it, Cal or not, he's going to do the job. Uh, I thought it conveyed a lot of things for the character of Batman and a really great introduction to his version of Batman. But I also, I hate that scene for this reason because I can, again, remember watching it the first time and seeing that scene and thinking, this shit's going to be fucking great. And that's <laughs> literally like the last thing. That's yeah, good. oh, that's actually a great point. I Sets also, you up for failure. <laughs> yeah. I also wondered, uh, despite the fact that it is one of the coolest scenes, and I think it's like shot really effectively for impact, mm. is it too early to reference 9-11 directly in a dumb superhero movie? <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. Didn't Oliver Stone make a 9-11 movie with Nicolas Cage? I think after that, all 9-11 bets are off. <laughs> Definitely, Affleck is the best-looking Bruce Wayne. He's the first Bruce Wayne that looks like Bruce Wayne on the comic book page. Like, you know, uh, all of them, all, all the other ones before this are just a little weird and off. Actually, probably the closest guy before that was Clooney, but he looks like a penis as Batman, so that barely <laughs> counts. So, uh, but yeah, no, that, that, that scene is, is really good. Uh, so that brings us to our, our present day, 18 months later, our first intro to actually to a lot of people uh, to uh, Jimmy Olsen, who is actually named in this uh, as a right. random photographer slash uh, CIA agent slash uh, gunshot wound victim who I, I don't know Gone why he's soon. I don't know why he's in this movie at all. But uh, I, I mean, I, I don't mind having I care. I can, but why, why would you name him Jimmy Olsen? I can tell you exactly why he's in this movie. It's so it, it's so Zack Snyder can say, this isn't your dad's Superman movie. Actually, <laughs> super fair. Uh, he, he's also, Zack Snyder, one thing that's present in this movie, and from what we can see, will be in Justice League, he wants to include as many references as possible. Right. He, he's going to do them like Jay Hughes saying, which is, yeah, I love the, you know, not your dad's uh, Jimmy right. Olsen, but he's going to include it. Like it, he has to have as many connective tissue things as possible, which is why he includes the Justice League in the movie, even though it's a terrible decision. For sure. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I will say this is probably one of the first major and like uh, effective additions to this version. That's not in the theatrical cut, uh, which is that we find out that this whole thing is a setup to frame Superman, which I may have been communicating in the theatrical cut, was not very well communicated to me. Um, you know, it's not communicated in the theatrical cut. Uh, yeah, with, it's, it's one of my big complaints with the theatrical version. Yeah, with, with the inclusion of, of uh, Lex, Lex's mercenaries who are there to, again, frame Superman after the bodies are, they kill people and shoot them with guns. They pile their bodies up and burn them theoretically to look as if they were killed by heat vision i suppose but i also wondered does heat vision like completely immolate you or is it just like mm. you know i don't we don't know if we've really seen the effects of 
heat vision on people. Right. Not that we need to, but uh, right. you know, I can't remember. But uh, also, why would Superman pile them up if uh, if he's just heat visioning people to death? I don't know. It's it's still I'm, not the best plan, but at least it makes a slightly more sense than what it was before. Another, also another, you know, a reference that Zack Snyder just has to pull is that's supposed to be KG Beast. Right. Uh, I don't know yes. that he's ever called right. that. He's but. not. Right. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to recognize him from his name, but even I don't recognize the fucking KGB alias like that. That yeah. is, that's one of those things where he's like, well, I'll, this will seem important if I name it after an existing character, but it doesn't have anything to do with that existing character. And, and most people didn't get the reference. I do feel like calling him KGB, as, as much as I don't want to defend this movie's integrity, would kind of go against the, uh, the vibe of this movie. <laughs> I think he got the part just because he played the exact same thing in Winter Soldier. Hundred so percent, like, he did. Absolutely, he did. Bring this guy on. Uh, and then other minor, uh, we cut out of that. Superman saves Lois. Other thing I have to mention is the bathtub scene. Uh, you know, it just why why would you put a grown man in clothes in a bathtub? It just upsets me on some visceral level. I can't explain. <laughs> now, if you guys remember, a few weeks ago, I wanted to do an episode on this. <laughs> on the fact that Amy Adams is always kind of naked in movies. And she is. Never yeah. like, she's never like fully naked, but she's always implied naked and depressed in every movie. She I don't is, know if it's in her contract. I she, think it is. Right. She was I mean, very close on this one. For sure. Yeah. I mean, this, the, the theatrical cut was PG-13. I, I don't think this one had any kind of rating. But uh, yeah, no, this was, uh, there was, there was a lot of, of non-nipple boob. Right, going on in, in this movie. I just wrote down, Jeremy Irons is delightful. I remember the first time I watched it, he was the only thing that I liked, and the second time that I watched it, he's also the, the thing I like the most from this movie. Jeremy Irons is, is kind of in this, there's a lot of the actors in this that I think are just like, oh, comic book movies are big now, and they're good, so I'll sign up to be on one, and they didn't really look into sure. what makes one good and one not good. And Jeremy Irons is the first victim of that. Like, for, for he sure. Just, he just showed up, and he did a good job, and he had no idea he was in a shitty movie. I'm okay with that, though. I, uh, yeah. You know, he, sh- he showed up, and he put it in effort. Right. I think we're overstating Jeremy Irons' pedigree here. The dude was in Aragon. <laughs> also a fair point. <laughs> that's, that's true. He that's just seems point. like it have pedigree. He seems very uh, you know distinguished. Distinguished, but he's not. Yeah. He's really not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's like Michael Caine. He'll be in some really good shit, but he'll also be in Jaws four. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also feel like I I I don't I still don't like the decision from the creative team, but I appreciate Jesse Eisenberg's performance as Lex Luthor in this more now that I, I am aware that he is based on Max Landis. Because if you ever watch anything of him when he had his long hair that looks exactly like Jesse Eisenberg's hair, it's a pretty dead, dead ringer impression. I, I, the, thing I, I, the one thing I always defend from this movie is Eisenberg's performance as Lex Luthor. I don't think it's a good Lex Luthor, but he does a good job of the character he's supposed to be in this movie. Exactly. Uh, I completely agree. He does have an all the shitty stuff in this movie, even over Martha, he has my least favorite scene in that movie. The, uh, the, the biggest lie in the world is that power can be innocent. Who's ever said that in I the know. history <laughs> of humanity? I mean, he, says, 
He says it like it's some adage he's disproven, and that's the first time any humans ever said that fucking sentence. I feel like there's a lot of those in this movie. Like I, one of my my original reviews when I first saw the theatrical cut, which again is slightly better in this, is that it's just a bunch of people standing in a room and delivering cool lines past each other. Right. Uh, and then we cut to the next people in a room delivering cool lines past each other. There are actual scenes in that in this movie, in this this version of the movie. Uh, but yeah, Jesse Eisenberg's got some stinkers in there. I want I wanted to mention when uh, so Scoot McNary is like a victim of of the the Wayne Tower collapsing and is somehow mad is mad at Superman for taking away his legs or something. But he goes up and, and climbs up his legless self to deface the Superman statue. And then there's the news of him getting arrested. And it says, you know, like, former Wayne employee uh, arrested of hate crime. And I'm like, is, is that what a hate crime is? Yeah. I don't <laughs> think, man, yeah, that's, I think that's a, a pretty low bar. Particularly <laughs> since I, I doubt the most powerful man on earth is in a protective class. That's kind of what I was, I was, I was like, I don't think that somebody knows what the word hate crime, like, I mean, it, it is kind of a weird thing to define, but I'm right. pretty sure this isn't a hate crime. Also, right. they're, when they're like cycling through all like the talking heads on the news, one of, one of the, the guy's titles is international blogger, which I think was supposed to make fun of blogger, but aren't all bloggers international? <laughs> I, I, that's true. <laughs> I, 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 like I do. I do. I want to commend Zack Snyder here for a second because, or or his assistant, somebody at some point said, "Let's name this character Wally," and he's like, "Cool, Wally West, but with no legs. How awesome is that?" And someone's <laughs> like, we're, "It's we're not going to do Wally West, Zack. It's just a different <laughs> Wally." He really fought his urges there. I'm sure. I'm. I'm. You are absolutely right. That was. That was a meeting where several people were like, "No, Zach, can't, can't let that happen." Here's one of the things that I, I wanted to talk about because I was confused about the difference between the the ultimate cut and the theatrical version. I thought the ultimate cut explained it, some of the branding stuff, the bat brands on the criminals. But if I'm correct, he is, Batman is branding people. That's not like bullshit that's correct he is actually branding people why what's what the fuck is up with that there's no like real reason given for it yeah i yeah, I, good... I i mean i think it's just again zach snyder's like that'd be cool yeah i just cool if you like branded people because because that was one of like you know i was confused about the branding and the fact that they got beat up in prison but it's explained it later in this version that they get beat up in prison because lexus is, is uh is paying people to murder people with the bat tattoo to make batman seemed like more of a villain which again is a stretch of a plan like all of his plans but it is a plan so so here's a question i want to ask you said explained it twice is that just what you say or did you make the same mistake twice what you said explained it that's just uh <laughs> that's just a word that i use now i thought i thought maybe you'd done it wrong once and then you just decided stuck okay, with it yeah my thing yeah which i i admire double down for sure um so what is with all the prophecies in this movie? There's a point where, where Bruce is trying to decrypt some software he got from Lex's computer and he falls asleep and has, you know, the, the doomsday prophecy where he's got guns, even though he already uses guns and it's, it's very ridiculous. And then at some point there's a like separate part of the prophecy where he sees the flash, but Again, you know, it, it seemed out of order in the original movie, but everything in the original movie seemed out of order. But right. this one where there's a lot more, like, context, there's still no context for this. 
I mean, I personally think it's just set up for what he was originally going to do with Justice League, which was make Superman the villain. I think even though Steppenwolf is teased in this movie, I'm with Jay I think Superman was supposed to be the villain of Justice League 1, Dark Side, Justice League 2. I like that Batman's reasoning would just be like, if Superman was like, why'd you try to kill me? Batman would just be like, I don't know. I had a bad dream one time. <laughs> Jesus. Um, you know, I had this right real well-balanced psyche, but I had this one <laughs> bad dream that I thought was grounds enough to kill you. I will say, that's one of the things that I, I, I took away from this watching it this time versus watching it the, the first time. Is I watched it the first time with a lot of like, I have strong feelings about who Batman is and who Superman is. Uh, whereas this time, I could go into it seeing if the only Batman and Superman that existed existed in this movie and in Man of Steel. I get their motivations a little bit more. I don't, you know, I don't know if they're, they're the canonical Batman Superman, but I like, I feel like I get their motivations more than I did in the first time I watched it. Cause one of the things that after that, that dream sequence is, uh, is Jeremy Irons doing his whole monologue about like how the world has changed and, this whole concept of like uh, the sense of powerlessness in the face of like a godlike power that turns good men cruel. And that's supposed to, rep- you know, like that's, that's Bruce. That's what he does for the rest of this movie. But I feel like that was hard for me to embrace the first time I watched it because I'm thinking he's, he's Bruce Wayne. He's Batman. He's like one of the most principled, you know, he's, he's comic book Batman, which he's not in this movie. Yeah, who, yeah, how no. do you feel about that? Do you, do, where, where, do you, where do you think this Batman falls on, on, uh, on the scale of versions we've seen before? I mean, you know, the, the modern take on Batman is basically, uh, you know, world's smartest asshole. You know, <laughs> he's Rick Sanchez without a sense of humor. So, I mean, I guess this isn't too far off from that, except he's not very smart in this. For sure. He does a lot of dumb, dumb, dumb shit just because he's pissed off. And if there's anything they get wrong about Batman in this, it's this. Batman doesn't really do a lot of shit because he's pissed off. He got pissed off at 10 years old and then spent the rest of his life training himself not to be pissed off, to just, you know enter into these things sort of clinically as, as a detective, which this definitely this Batman's not a detective. He's just a thug who blows shit up. And sometimes Alfred gives him good tips, and he's like, good tip, Alfred. I thought of that. <laughs> right, right. I uh, think this version of Batman is Zack Snyder read Frank Miller and Frank Miller only. For sure. Right. I think um, he read Frank Miller and Frank Miller only and still didn't quite get it. Yeah. I think this movie really needed a Robin. Yeah, I would be fine with this version of Batman, and I I like this version of Batman. I think I, I like is a strong word. I think Ben Affleck is good in it. I like the suit. Uh, I think some of the Batman scenes are really really cool. However, I think if you're going to do this Batman that's over the edge, he's gone too far, which you kind of already did with Superman in the in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need something to pull him back, and you know, I get that maybe Robin, you know, if it's Jason Todd being dead, that's the thing that pushed him over the edge. That's fine. Tell me that. Um, you see the suit. That's it. You know, we don't get any, there's no more backstory. I think having someone like a Dick Grayson or Tim Drake or whatever, have your, you know, whatever pick you want would really help um, this dark and brooding Batman. It's like we, you know, we've talked about Anakin and Ahsoka. Like, this would be fine if there was an Ahsoka character, but there's not. Right, right, right. Well, 
and I, I think I, you know again like the Jason Todd like not coming out and saying it and stuff like that I think that really goes to what the biggest problem with this movie was which it just assumed there was going to be another one and you know it like it didn't just set up for a sequel it was very much this is just the first part of a story i'm telling and right. there's gonna be nonsense shit in this that <laughs> isn't gonna make sense till you've watched two other movies out of it and you know uh you know like the marvel movies yeah i mean They've done 22 of them, and I don't think they did that more than once. I think the only movie you can accuse that of is Iron Man 2, and they immediately learned, hey, that's not the shit to do, you know? Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's When we started this, I was like, well, you know, at least it's a movie when you have the extra stuff added in. But I think I'm taking that back. It's still not a movie because there's so much shit in it that just does nothing in this story. There is a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, the entire flash sequence it makes no sense within the context of this movie yeah it's it just yeah, is it's, there it makes, it makes zero sense this is completely unrelated to anything we've just been talking about but i wanted to take a minute to focus on perry white played by uh uh lawrence, lawrence fishburne, fishburne who is the editor of the daily planet first off he just wanders around spouting terrible headlines for people to write <laughs> articles about <laughs> two he seems very uninterested in journalism Anytime anybody <laughs> approaches him with a story, he's like, why should anybody give a fuck about that? <laughs> well, yeah, he, he's a super jerk in this movie. Well, he's one of the ones that I'm talking about that, again, he's just heard, oh, superhero movies are cool now. I'll be in one. Sure. I'm sure yeah, yeah. it'll be good. But, uh, he, but, um, good. but he doesn't even try. I think it might even be worse than him. I think the last superhero movie he watched were probably 90s Batman movies. It's entirely possible. And I think he thought oh i'll just act like somebody in fucking you know in batman forever did but he gets one of the few like actually there are not very many jokes in this movie and the some of the ones that are in here don't land well but i like at one point he's looking for clark and he says where do, where does clark go he just clicks his heel three times and disappears back to kansas and i really <laughs> enjoyed that <laughs> one one beat i really can't stand in this movie is the um it's not a person it's a ship like yeah. I'm as big of a national treasure fan as there is, but you ain't doing it better than national treasure. So <laughs> leave it alone. Right. <laughs> Man. It, it's amazing to me. Cause we're going to talk about it in a second. Uh, but I feel like the whole, the whole first half of this movie is built around one scene. Like the whole concept came from one scene and somehow we got an hour and a half of content from it. Uh, but like the first real Batman, this is not the scene though. Uh, the first real Batman Superman scene where they meet is really good with the Batmobile introduction. Cause you set up the Batmobile as like this indestructible, cool ass vehicle. That's just wrecking shit. And then it runs into Superman and just falls to pieces. <laughs> and I really like that. I think that's a really effective uh, intro yeah. to everything. It's a cool Batmobile too. It is. I mean, look I, uh, to, to, I'm sure Jason's going to, critique it for being a little tanky which it is but oh it's it is tanky it's a well, it's it's a fun, i think it's pretty fun I, I mean i don't hate it at all i think it i actually i think it's one of the things that i one of the things they i think more of the movie should have been which they should have tried harder to imply that this was the christopher nolan back ah. and you know and that and that was pretty similar to the type of batmobile yeah. that christopher nolan batman had i think I think the really, I, I'm sure I've said this before on, the, on this podcast, but the biggest mistake DC Warner did 
with all their move with all their DC movies was letting Christopher Nolan have such a hard closed finish. <laughs> there should have been some way left where you could still imply, hey, this is the same guy. So we're we're actually in the same universe as those movies you like. Yeah, James Bond it. Right, you know, just exactly. ha- just yeah, just have some other person play Batman and not yeah seal it off. Right, just loose continuity, but yeah, the, this guy is the new guy playing Batman, but it's still the same guy. It's still Batman. I, which can't, I, Nolan, I can't imagine Nolan ever being on board for that. Yeah, which you know, I do like the theory that these are the these are the Tim Burton Batman. This is in the <laughs> Tim Burton Batman yeah, yeah, universe. Yeah. I've always thought that was fun and hope it's true. But uh, but yeah, I I don't know that. I don't even remember. Oh yeah, we were talking about the Batmobile. But yeah, th- that Batmobile sequence is cool. Besides the fact that he murders like two hundred people. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, that happens a lot more later in the movie, so it's fine. Right. The uh, uh, to your to your uh, you know which Batman universe this Batman is in. I think Joss Whedon agrees with you because he brought back Danny Elfman for the score, yeah. like yeah. five minutes of that Batman score. Which yeah. hey, I like that score a whole lot. So I do too. There's also a scene very shortly after this where Clark goes back to visit his mom where she tells him that he can save people or he can't. He doesn't have to. It doesn't really matter. He doesn't owe this world a thing. And I'm yeah. just, I'm so confused about where Superman's moral compass came from. Because his dad didn't seem, remember when the first movie when his dad said that he may have, he should have let those kids die in the, in the bus thing? I mean... You know, uh, God, I'm 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 about to crawl up my own ass. On this. <laughs> Bear with me for a second. I think maybe the thing that Chris, uh, not Chris, I'm fucking Zack Snyder gets wrong the most is Superman's relationship with his parents. The idea of Superman and the whole American immigration allegory that it is is that you know when he lands here on Earth he's made better by his interaction with his parents, his parents who, you know, are the melting pot who teach him, you know, about these American values that make him better. And it seems like something that Zack Snyder would be on board with if, you know, uh, politically, but man, does he just not like that in a storytelling? Sense. Apparently not. He really is instead. It's like, no, I'm going to have him be these sort of shitty, disinterested parents, and he just sort of accidentally becomes a superhero. I mean, definitely Jonathan Kent willingly walks into a tornado for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> it, they have no idea how to handle Superman's parents. What you don't know is that Jonathan and Martha were having some real marital trouble at the time. <laughs> he was just fed up. I, I really, that scene was so dumb. I couldn't process it at the time. <laughs> like I was like, okay, there's just something. There's something that I didn't pay attention to earlier in this movie, or this is going to be rectified later. I'm just going to accept it from now. And no, it was just that fucking dumb. But uh, this brings me to the the scene that I think built the whole first half of this movie, which is an hour and a half long. Which is Zack Snyder in a room one day going, hmm, what would happen? If uh, if Superman was in a room with a bunch of people and a bomb went off and then he was the only one left because nothing can hurt him. And then he came <laughs> on to a blank sheet of paper and that was the half of this fucking script. <laughs> I, would, I would absolutely agree with that. I'm not saying... Oh, and, I'm not saying and there's, there's a not cup a good, of piss. <laughs> <and> there's, Don't <laughs> forget. There's a cup of piss. It's, which hopefully was also evaporated in the destruction. And And... You know, again, like I, I think this version is a better job of of setting it up, and it is a good, like it's a, it's a visually interesting scene. <laughs> I just I just wrote down 
is Lex's plan dumb? Yes, but it is a plan. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about it. It, it had it had a lot of moving pieces that didn't need to be as complicated as they were. But hey, you know, it looked cool, and he got to blow up Holly Hunter, which is a real bummer because I love Holly Hunter. Yeah, and Scoots McNary is really wasted in this movie. We talked super about wasted, early, but but I mean, that's a that's a really good actor who could have been given a way better part. Let's see, what do we want to talk about then? I was going to say I don't think we really have to talk about how dumb Martha is. I think everyone that's one thing will, that we can so, all agree so on I, I everybody agree, I agree with that like the, the whole the whole fight's dumb the whole setup's dumb everything about it is dumb but i will say like the whole point to me anyway if i'm if i'm interpreting this correctly is that the martha thing is supposed to be reminding bruce that like he has a family he has a family like bruce's family it's so much so that their mother's the same name this is the other half this is the other realization where he came on another blank piece of paper and this is the other half of the script um but uh like the the line like i don't know 15 seconds before this line is i bet your parents uh told you that you were here for something special and i just like i don't i don't understand how right no he no, totally. He had already accepted that he they had parents and they were human and they were probably good people. But the fact that they've got the same name, I mean, that's like a fucking five-year-old's logic. It's oh, absolutely the, insane. Yeah. That person has the same name as me, so we should be friends. Like, it's just, it's really, again, is not the logic of the world's greatest detective or even a functioning adult. There, I once, do think the, the second best scene in all of these films or in these three films anyway is the introduction to wonder woman immediately following the martha scene uh that is a killer intro for her. i agree with that, that yeah that score is dope i mean it's shot cool i mean Zack snyder god love him you know his most of his movies don't make any sense and the logic is for 14 year old dudes but the dude can shoot some cool sequences and uh that is that is a great sequence the introduction to wonder woman Batman putting his hands up right before the introduction of Wonder Woman. Super dumb, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how to feel about Wonder Woman being in this movie because she feels super just thrown in there for the most part. Uh, also, in the fight with Doomsday, she seems to be doing a pretty good job without the the Kryptonite spear. I don't know if you guys remember that. She chops off like two of his limbs. I just feel like <laughs> if you chopped off all four of his limbs, sure he'd like get spiky little appendages, but what is he gonna do? Like tap around on him <laughs> he would definitely have problems building up momentum for that's this. what i'm saying I, I feel like he's a lot less menacing that way i don't feel like superman needed to die in this movie have you guys heard the uh the recent uh news that that doomsday is not the official dc eu oh, i haven't seen that but fuck it who gives a fuck it, yeah i guess in i guess in man of steel before krypton blows up the moon is exploded and that happened when they made the the real doomsday. Ah, sure, cool. The dude has sure. such a elaborate backstory um, for everything. It's amazing to me that he that these scripts like are as as weak as they are logicalized because he's obviously smart. Like he obviously, you know, thinks, oh, we can include this, and this will be a reference to this. Like world he just, building, he he's just good stops at world too building. early. Yeah. The, the actual, like, machinations of things don't make any sense, but I can understand where he's coming from yeah, yeah, yeah. in the universe that he's making. Oh, jeez. I wrote down here, this is early, this is during the Batman v Superman fight, I wrote down, Batman's plan is dumber than Lex's. 
That's because, true. Because That's really, true. he needed to get to one specific room where the spear was and seemed to have absolutely no specific plan to get there. Just kind of luckily ended up there. Uh, also, uh, Superman could have killed him literally at any time if he wanted to. I don't want to go into it because this has been debated a lot on the internet. I'm just curious of everyone's feelings on the warehouse scene. Good Batman scene or bad Batman scene? I mean, it's a good Batman scene in the sense that it makes Batman look like the baddest motherfucker on the planet within human constraints. The thing that bothered me the second time around, recognizing how many people he's already murdered, is like, just give him, just shoot him, you know? Like, I don't understand why you have to, like, kick punch him to death. Just shoot him. Well, I, here, here's, here's the thing about it also, I think. It's a pretty cool-looking scene, and it's exactly the same scene as the most boring action sequence in The Dark Knight. So literally one of the best things in this movie is reminiscent of the most boring thing in The Dark Knight. So even even when you're giving something in this movie a compliment, it's a low fucking bar. <laughs> Any more strong feelings? No, I think we're fine. I don't think there's a lot after this. I still don't think there's a lot of justification for the world finding Superman to be a martyr after this, uh, I, after he saves the world. And I, you know, one of the things that bothered me at the end of this one is that uh, Lois sticks around his grave longer than Martha. Right. Like right. Im- implying that somehow Lois loved him more than his fucking mother. Get the fuck out of here. Right. I, I do well, want to make one complaint here. Why does Superman have a memorial when he's the one that wrecked the city the first right. time? <laughs> right. Right. I don't know. That it, I don't understand. It's all. I, I mean, we, we just talk shit about, uh, about Josh, uh, Josh Whedon making a sequel to a movie that he didn't really want to make a sequel to. But Zack Snyder sort of did the same thing. He's He kind of was like, Oh, well, you know, I kind of things, wish things would have been a little different. In the I know it, right? Yeah. You know that's, what? I, that's, that's, that's been Christian's Hill to die on for years. Right. I honestly believe that is a Chris Terrio problem. Because now having seen Rise of Skywalker, that seems to be a thing he does. Well, right. yeah. I didn't, I didn't put together that it has one of the same writers, but it sure does. Yeah. He, he's, he just wants to ignore everything that's come before and just make his own thing. So how dumb of an idea was it to kill off Superman? before you made a Justice League movie. I don't know that it was that dumb. I think the only... Go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, the only reason why I don't think it's that is because it left you extremely curious. I guess, I mean, they already told us he was coming back, I guess with the the dirt floating off or whatever, but it it definitely left... I left the movie theater thinking, God, that was terrible, but I want to know what happens. Well, so here's the thing, I think is that from, from a, a strategy perspective, what you're supposed to be doing here is for, for most lay people, including myself, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are like, why do we even need the Justice League if we have Superman? So I feel like with making a Justice League movie without Superman, you have an opportunity to justify how cool they are and how much shit they can do without Superman. And then you just add him to the mix. Instead, however, when you actually do the movie, you realize they're pretty hapless pieces of shit. And then super Superman comes in and, and does everything. Here's why I think it was the dumbest decision anyone's ever made in making a movie ever. Wow. Uh, because it, okay. It takes Superman off the table in a way that you can't use him in the promotion of the movie. Sure. So, so, you know, with Avengers, when it was coming out, if you didn't know one fucking thing about the Avengers, you probably knew that Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and the Avengers. And there they are in the fucking poster. When Justice League was coming out, the 
the first thing if you're if you don't know anything about it, or frankly, even if you do, is hey, where's the fucking Green Lantern? Why isn't Superman here? Like, you know, it didn't even look like the Justice League that the most basic Justice League fan would know. But that probably would have been okay if they would have if it would have been set up for some great moment of Superman coming back and surprising you, but they tell you at the end of the fucking movie that he is coming back. So right. they literally didn't get either thing out of it. They cut themselves off from using him as as promotion, and they cut themselves off from using him as a cool story beat. That's a super fair point. Yeah, it's a weird. I don't think it's as stupid as maybe you do, Jay Hugh, because I I can see the marketing ploy behind it. But to your other point, I do think Justice League would have been promoted better if you had. I, and I get that they wanted to do the anti-Marvel. They didn't want to do Marvel movies. They didn't want to ma- do it the same way Marvel did it. But without having, you know, an Aquaman movie and not just 20-second clip in Batman vs. Superman, no one cares. Right, Like, right. He, he's not a draw. Um, Superman's the only guy who's been in all of your movies so far, uh, unless you count Suicide Squad, which I don't. So, <laughs> right from that point of view, like why do I care that the flash or cyborg or Aquaman are in this movie? They haven't been in anything else. Yeah. Super yeah, fair. totally. Yeah. So uh, what uh, Ian did provide us with a little bit of content this week. He uh, showed us some clip of uh, Jared Leto of the Joker that hadn't been out before. If this is a success, do you think we get the David Ayers cut of suicide squad? I would say no, but I, cause I don't think David Ayer has the clout that, Zack Snyder has whether that's a good thing or a bad thing and I would even argue that maybe David Ayer surprisingly kind of deserves it more the guy made Training Day and Fury and I like both of those movies a whole lot right um and the rumor is it'd also be really cheaper he said he was like 80 percent done do you guys hear do you do do y'all know what happened with David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad no not really the trailer was so popular that the company uh, that the studio, Warner Brothers, decided they would hire them to edit the movie instead of the people David Ayer hired. Cool. I, I did not know that, but God, is that so on brand with what <laughs> DC and Warner are doing with this shit. It's yes. just, maybe this will work. Which kind of makes sense for that movie because, and, and true for this film as well, it just goes from beat to beat. There's no setup right. to the next moment. Right. Uh, it's almost like a 90 minute trailer. Um, so, you know, in his, he's got a lot more set up and, and involvement in Joker and Harley and how, you know, where that leads for Enchantress and all that stuff. And so I would be curious, but I just don't care to ever go back and watch Suicide Squad. Ever. I, 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 definitely, I hated Suicide Squad a lot less than I hated this movie, but I'm less inclined to watch it again. Like it was, it, you know, it, it's just, I don't really have strong feelings about it at all. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, well, unless you guys have anything else on this. I think, I think we've spoken enough about a five-year-old movie. I think so too. But I think this is going to be a, a good uh, representation of, of the exact kind of content you're looking forward to whenever the Snyder <laughs> Cut comes out. <laughs> That's true. For <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> but cool. That's it for, uh, for Batman versus Superman, the Ultimate Edition. Uh, if you watch this and you have any thoughts on this movie or thoughts on Zack Snyder or his fandom or his work, please reach us at realphonies.gmail.com or on Facebook because, you know, I want to know what people think. Well, cool, guys. What have we been watching this past week? I'll go first because I have to go. As soon Get as out I'm of done. here. <laughs> um, 
I I said I wasn't going to do it, but I couldn't resist. I watched the Hobbit movies. <laughs> um, you they, you did say absolutely unequivocally you weren't going to do that. Yeah, they're terrible. They're awful. They make the same mistake the prequels, the Star Wars prequels make in that they try to recreate moments or tie in things that don't need to be tied in. In fact, they tie in things that Tolkien himself didn't think needed to be tied in. But um, those movies are basically Peter Jackson realizing, even if I tried to make the Similarian, no one would get it. So I'm just going to include a bunch of that crap into this story. And uh, I don't think it works really well. Um, it's, it's a pretty disappointing e- effort. Having said that, Martin Freeman is great as Bilbo. Uh, Ian McKellen, still great as Gandalf. Like, you know, the cast is pretty good. Um, and I don't even, I know a lot of people had a problem with the lighthearted tone. I mean, I've been reading that book since I was like nine years old. It doesn't bug me. That's how the book is. There are weird right. songs in it and the dwarves are nutty. And that's just the audience Tolkien wrote to with the Hobbit. But there are moments where maybe they go a bit too far and some of the changes don't feel necessary. I don't know. I really, really dislike those movies. Um, but I gave it a shot. The only other thing I really wanted to talk about was Upload, which is a new show on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. It's freaking great. Is it? Uh, yes. It's, it's by, super trying to cash in on the Good Place ending. Yeah, so it's um, written by Greg Daniels, who made King of the Hill and The Office. And it's... I would say pretty different than those things. I don't know. You definitely can sense that it's the same guy, but uh, the better Amel, not Stephen Amel, not the guy from Arrow, but the other one mm-hmm. who played Firestorm in the early seasons of Flash. Um, he's pretty good in it. Uh, the cast is in- great. It's interesting. It's like a Black Mirror episode, but funny, uh, which is a good way to kind of deal with those Black <laughs> Mirror topics. Uh, I really liked it. I would really recommend it. Uh, I'm, it's the first show in a long time I binged in one day. Wow. Uh, I just sat down. I don't think probably Haunting at Hill House is probably the last movie, the last show I did that. And, uh, but I could not stop watching it, and I really enjoyed it. Better than Transformers. Cool. All right. I got to go. Bye, guys. All right. Get out of here, buddy. Kurt, you're on mute. Okay. My, my show will go real quick anyway. I watched two HBO shows. The first one I watched was Run. Uh, oh, how is that? Okay. I, the premise okay. is great. The, 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 the premise is like, it is basically these two, uh, these two people, they had been a couple in college. They broke up right after because they were going on different paths, but they were going to, but they made a pact that if one of them ever texted the other one run, and then that, the second one texted that back, they would both meet at uh, New York, like Grand Central Station. Hmm. Um, so they do that. And it's, I've only watched the first either five or six episodes. I'm really sure. And I was really, really enjoying it at first. I would actually, I would, for that stuff, I would go better than Transformers. But I've gotten to a point where it takes like a serious turn mm. and I'm not even sure I'm going to finish it. Wow. Like it, it, it's such a dark turn for this. And I just hate that anyway. I, I hate that comedies, when they have to take a, a serious turn to, you know, be taken seriously, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that never happens in dramas. There's never like a Godfather movie where the last third, it turns into a screwball comedy. So that shit just pisses me off when it happens. I'll probably finish it at some point, but uh, I, I will right now. I'm not feeling uh, the other one I think is also something else from 2016. Maybe it's 2018. It was from a few years ago. I've watched the first half of sharp objects. Mm. Um, 
which got me on the Amy Adams has to always be kind of naked and everything. Um, it's a pretty good show. I like it. Uh, it's uh, I'll give it better than Transformers. But after the first two episodes, I was like, well, this show is written about a small southern town by someone who's never met anyone <laughs> from a small southern town. And by about the fifth episode, I, I'm more like, this is written by someone who's never met a person ever. Like, none of the people speak or act like real people, which doesn't really bother me because most of the shit I like is not stuff about real people. But I feel like their intention was, oh, these are supposed to be really real, well-rounded characters. And I don't, I don't know if it achieves that. Well, but that's it's still fair. worth a watch. Because it, it's, written, it's written by the same girl who wrote uh, Gone Girl. Oh, right on. I did yeah. not know that. Uh, and and that was kind of it's written by that girl and it's directed by the same guy who did like dallas buyers club and some other like you know critically acclaimed shit right so it's been on my radar but i've never gotten actually gotten around to it well Uh, despite it not having real people in it is it it entertaining or yeah i think it's entertaining honestly i think maybe what might have gotten in the way is i've i've seen marty noxon's name in the credits which you know she was uh she was josh whedon's right hand man so Mm. maybe that's where some of the iffiness and the and the way the characters behave come from i don't know i i'm still i'm gonna finish it and i've enjoyed it so far it's just it's it's strange fair enough yeah but that's all else? all right no, i got a lot of shit but i can do it fast i think <laughs> uh, i i found i found out that i can stream rick and morty on the adult swim app so i watched the last two episodes uh the vat of acid vat of acid episode is really good I agree with that. Uh, I will say one of the, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not, I don't know if surprising is the right word, but like the amount of people who watch this show for fundamentally different reasons than I do is astounding to me. Like I I was, you know, like I go to YouTube and the algorithm shows me shit that it thinks I'm going to like. And one of them was a clip from that episode. And the clip was titled the moment Morty learns his lesson. And it's like the end of the episode. And I'm like, motherfucker, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. It's, it's frightening out there, man. I mean, there, there's a large segment of people who watch that show that don't understand that Rick is not a role model. I feel like everyone who watches the show needs to understand that every one of us is Jerry. Right. If you don't accept that, then you haven't fully embraced this show yet. Right. right. 100%. Um, I also finished Solar Opposites, the show from Justin Roiland, half the creative team from uh, uh, Rick and Morty. It was really right. short, really quick. It's pretty fun. I mean, it's, it's a lot more lighthearted, but I mean, like, it's, it's pretty, I don't know. I think it's pretty good entertainment, good comedy. Cool. And I've, I've still, I'm almost done with uh, the great, the Victorian, I don't know, dry comedy. It's not right. that dry. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, I guess it is probably like a Victorian HBO show, but as a comedy, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of sex and, and poop and violence. Right. Uh, but it's, it's pretty delightful. Uh, Nicholas Holt is weirdly likable as this kind of dumb, tyrannical leader. Uh, Elle Fanning is fantastic in it. Uh, I've I've just I've really been digging it. It's really it's it's scratching itches I didn't think I needed scratched. Uh, well, definitely they're pushing it. I, I've I've been thinking of checking out, and the I, fact that you can enjoy it with Nicholas Holt in it may be the the biggest endorsement I can think of. You you will sur- like him surprisingly more than you expect. I think right. Uh, and I watched a lot of movies this weekend because I'm a piece of shit. I watched right. Disney's Tarzan, 
which is a, a solid movie by itself, but the Phil Collins soundtrack is goddamn incredible. It's so I, good. I, I do that too. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous how much, how much fire he brought to that movie for no reason. Uh, you know, obviously I was a vastly different age than you when this movie came out. And the main thing I remember about it is I had a friend named Steve who had a depression built specifically around this movie where he would just kind of, when everything went wrong, start mumbling about how he was going to get all buff and tan like Tarzan. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Because, I like you know, it. I try to tell him he, he's animated, Steve. You, you can't get that buff because it's a drawing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, I watched uh, a horror comedy movie called Ready or Not, which I don't know if you've ever heard of. A girl gets married into a rich family, finds out they have to play some kind of game for her to like officially be in the family, and it turns out it's like murder hide and seek. <laughs> right. Uh, but but the, they're kind of inept at it, right? right? The twist is that it doesn't happen very often, and instead right. of being like silent, remorseless killers, they're all just kind of rich, rich faffs who don't know how to do shit. Right. Uh, and it's pretty good. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not really a horror movie person. That's kind of what attracted me to this one in the first place. Uh, so it's, it's not very scary. Right. The jokes are fun. And, and because you're focused a lot on kind of the rich family who like can't get their shit together enough to kill this girl. Uh, there's a lot more character development in like the villains, which I found quite satisfying because then they had like arcs and like conclusions to those arcs. And that's not usually how those movies work. Right, right, right. Uh, so I really dug it. I think it's better than Transformers. Cool. Um, and then the last thing that I watched is an Ethan Hawke movie, which I want to sidebar say Ethan Hawke has had a fascinating career, hasn't he? I would agree with that. Yeah. He just, like he just, uh, there was a point in like, the late 90s where he was the golden boy and he could have done like anything with his career but he's just done like consistently weird shit for the last like 20 years yet he never really took that like big break like star wars type movie yeah i mean i'm i'm super game for it because i just like seeing him in weird offbeat things yeah i agree uh but he's in this movie called predestination which it's like a, a twisty sci-fi. I don't know if I'd call it a thriller, thriller drama. I guess it's more of like a drama. I don't know. It reminds me a lot of that Jared Leto movie where he's like the last mortal in the world of immortals. I can't remember what the name of it was. It was like Mr. Zero or something. Do you remember that one? I don't remember that, but honestly you could have made that up as a Jared Leto <laughs> movie and I'd believe that. It was. Oh, well it's a, uh, it's not a bad movie. It's on Netflix. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, right on. But it, that's what it reminded me a lot of. And it's, it's one of those things where I'm such like, I, it's based on a short story from I don't know how long ago. And I feel like I'm so jaded with, with uh, you know, twisty movies that right. I couldn't really appreciate it to its full effect. I feel like if this movie came out like 50 years ago, it would have blown people's motherfucking minds. Right, 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 right. But I still really liked it. Uh, the best way I can describe the experience of watching it is the first half is like watching somebody set up a game of mousetrap, and the second half of the movie is watching the mousetrap go off. Oh, right on. So uh, I well, recommend well, it. I, uh, I was, I was, actually, I found it on, on Tubi, which is a free streaming service uh, app. Where, right, you know, I, like I ads, know Tubi, yes. Yeah. 
but I remember, I, I don't even know how it, how it showed up on my radar, but I've been meaning to watch it on Amazon and then it dropped off Amazon and I saw it like, I got to watch this before. It's, you know, you can't find old movies anymore. It's just impossible. Right. So when something drops all this, off all the streaming apps, it's gone forever. Right. But yeah, I recommend it. It's better than Transformers. I, I think, again, if it came out 40 years ago, it would have had a much higher impact. But I still think uh, if you could put your, your jaded searching for the twist mind to, to bed just a little bit, you'll have, a, you'll have a good time. Maybe it's a movie you should watch after drinking. That way you're not smart enough to figure out the twist. Yeah, I really wish I had watched Batman versus Superman after drinking. But <laughs> I, I, feel like it's, I feel like there's a drinking game to be built out of it. I don't have any rules for it. I just think there is. I mean, I think I think the rules would be anytime two people are in a room saying nonsense lines past each other that no human beings ever spoken to anyone else, <laughs> right. but then you die. That's the problem right. is you can't come up with a good game where you're not going to die by the second half of the three hour movie. Right. <laughs> God, fuck, fuck is Zack Snyder. Anyway, that's it for me. That's it. I, I don't know what we're doing next week. We never know what we're doing next week. Uh, I mean, we we did Batman versus Superman this week. We we're you know we're starving for content. Hey, no, this was this, well. That's the thing. Maybe some weird internet thing will happen that will prompt us for another thing I, next week. That is true. This was topical. It just uh, <laughs> uh, I just it, it feels like a movie we've talked about so much. It's funny that we just got around to doing an episode about. It. I was actually kind of amazed that we hadn't already done an episode <laughs> right. about. It. Maybe we should do Justice League next. Who knows? But we'll we will have. We'll have something for next week. Right on. Uh, in the meantime, thanks everybody for listening. Please rate and subscribe and tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and tell us your feelings, positive or negative, about Zack Snyder, you can reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. This is where you say later. Later. I, I never say later. Though. I know, but, but Chris, Christian always says it, and it, makes, it sounds weird when I just do it. Okay. Then later. I'm leaving that whole bit in. It's going to be great. Okay.